and turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face today, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Hallelujah. That is the secret to a life of joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. When we turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful, precious face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. And thank you today for joining me for this beautiful week. Christmas is almost upon us. I love it. And today I want to deal with something really important. And I'll probably be in there still dealing with it tomorrow and maybe Wednesday. Because it's a very important truth. Embracing the cross of Jesus. What does it mean? And what results are going to happen in our lives when we embrace his precious cross? Because that is the message of the gospel. The cross of Jesus. The message of the gospel. Wonderful Lord, I give you praise for what you're going to show us today. Open our hearts our understanding, give us clarity in Jesus' wonderful name, I pray, wonderful Heavenly Father. Amen. Yeah, I just threw him a kiss. I usually do. Anyways, Romans chapter 6 begins by, in verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, meaning salvation, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by by baptism into death. That like as Christ was was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I want to see you living a beautiful, glorious, victorious Christian life, especially in these dark days. So here we have some amazing uh, truth that the cross, number one, it says, Know ye not, verse 3, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, when we become one with the Lord, we are baptized into his death. Once we identify with his death, we become one with him. This is very important, very important. Number two, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. He's not talking about baptism into water. Because baptism into water is the outward declaration of the fact we are already dead to the world and alive unto him. That like as Christ was raised up was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So if we want to be one with the Lord and have a new life, the cross, we have to embrace it. And then he said in verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of of his resurrection, meaning we will be like him. That when he rose from the dead with that beautiful glorified body, so will we have a beautiful glorified body. So, now, the Bible is very, very clear. 
Uh, it teaches, first of all, that the believer has been saved from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and one day from the presence of sin. The penalty of sin deals with the, with the past. The power of sin deals with the present. The presence of sin deals with the future. So, that's what the word declares. That we have been saved. Let's look at John 5, 24. And I'm so, so glad you are with me today, wonderful family. Okay, so John 5, and we look at verse 24, and we read this beautiful portion. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So, the Bible teaches very clearly here, that we have been set free from the penalty of sin. And also now, we're going to look at Romans 5.10. So, we're forgiven from our past sins, is what this says. We will not come to condemnation. We're passed from death to life. Death, the, the past, now life. But how do we stay free from the power of sin? There's a big difference between from the penalty, past sins, power present sin. So, Romans 5, Romans 5. I hope you're writing all this down. Romans 5 and verse 10 says this. It says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled now, we shall be saved by his life. So, our past sins were taken care of, because Jesus died on the cross. But there's more to the cross than just past sins. Now it says, much more being reconciled. Now we are born again. We belong to him. We shall be saved by his life from the power of sin. And then one of these days, when the Lord returns to earth, we will be saved from the presence of sin. And that's Revelation 21. Uh, what it says that very clearly. Let's look at that quickly, even though... Okay, Revelation 21. I was just going to give you the reference, but I think sometimes it's good for me to read it for you. And the city had no need of, of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And then when you read verse 27, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles. Neither whatsoever worketh abominations or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So here we see from verse 23 and 27 of Revelation 21, we will, we will be saved from the presence of sin. But now many believers seem to only know about the salvation in the past tense. I was saved. I was saved from my sin. They they seem to not uh, realize what Romans 5.10 says, that we will be also saved from the power of sin by his life in us, by his life in us. Much more being reconciled to the Lord. This is the last portion of Verse 10 of Romans 5, we shall be saved by his life. So salvation is not past 
tense only. Salvation is present tense also. That's where we are free from the power of sin. So it's not about clearing our past account because that is sadly what some believe incorrectly because they believe, okay, the cross is behind me. I can now press into the blessings of the Christian life. What did Jesus say? In Luke 14, 27, he said, you are to take the cross with you. You are to take the cross with you. If you want to be free, totally free, it's not about past accounts. It's about all accounts. No more sin. No more past sin. That's the penalty. No more the part of sin. One of these days we'll be free from the presence. But it's important to understand we can be free from the power of sin today as we live the Christian life and allow the Lord to live his life through us, not just in us, but through us, because it says we shall be saved by his life, meaning in us. And the Lord said very, very clearly in Luke 14 that when we take the cross with us, that is what will bring us liberty from the power of sin. And so he says, and whosoever, verse 27 in Luke 14, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So if you want to be a true Christian, the cross stays with you. You still carry that cross because the Lord said we have to do it. So salvation is more than uh, clearing past records, the pardon of past sins, because, you see, the the cross and salvation also deal with the temptations that come from within. The temptations that come from within, not just the past, but the present temptations. And so, you know, you, you see crosses on church, on churches, buildings, and you see crosses people wear as jewelry. But sometimes I think we all forget uh, that what the cross really represents, the cross has to do with the execution of a criminal. The cross has to do with execution. So today we would compare the cross to an, an electric chair or a you know, hangman's rope uh, in some countries. Now, so the cross is death, execution. But to us believers... What did Jesus take upon himself? What happened to him when he was on the cross? Well, number one, shame. The cross speaks of shame. Um, the, the condemned man back in the Roman days was whipped, mocked, and spit upon because the cross spoke and still does of shame. What does this mean in my life, in your life? I'll explain that in just a moment. But let's just remember, in Matthew 27, beginning at verse 26 to 31, it says that the Lord was, let's just go to it and see it, Matthew. Because what happened back in ancient days to a criminal, back in the days of the Roman uh, power, the Roman Empire's power, is what they did. It says that they, first of all, then released he Barnabas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, 
he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall, gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And what did they do? They stripped him, put on him a scarlet robe. They plaited a crown of thorns on his precious head, a reed in his right hand. They bowed the knee before him, mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And so here here we see uh, the Lord himself was also whipped because it says they scourged him. Uh, he was mocked and he was spat upon. What else? Well, you know, the Bible says that a prisoner in those days, by the way, let me just take you to history too. In those days, a prisoner had to carry his own cross. And that's what happened to the Lord. Because in John nineteen seventeen, Jesus carried his own cross. Why am I giving you all this? Because it speaks of the shame of, of the cross. The cross is whipping and and mocking and spitting upon the the one who's to be crucified and 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 when someone carried his own cross John 19 and this is really what what the lord meant because it speaks about shame uh when someone carried their own cross they they were mocked for it they were they were uh insulted and so on like the crowd who were hooting and mocking the lord as he was going to Golgotha. And so John 19, uh, 17 says, And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of the skull. So when, when, when back in history, when someone carried his cross, the crowds would mock and, you know, throw insults and so on. That's what happened to the Lord. Why? It's shame. Now, you know, I'll come to, to, what it means for us today. But just one more thing. Uh, the, the criminal in those days was stripped and nailed naked, naked on that cross. And the Lord was naked on that cross. And it, it says in Isaiah, he was marred more than any man. He was disfigured more than any man. No other prisoner ever received the beatings that the Lord received. No man was so marred like the Lord. And so the Bible says something very, very amazing in Psalm 22, verse 17. You know, people think that the Lord hung on the cross covered somewhat. No, that's not what the Bible says. In verse 17, it talks about the fact that, that he was, he was naked on that cross. He said, I may, I, I may tell, I'm reading verse 17 of Psalm 22, I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. That means he was, he was completely uncovered to be able to see his bones all over his body. And so he was nailed to the cross naked. He took our shame. Think about all I'm saying. He took our shame. And so the Bible in, in Philippians 2.8, it talks about the Lord uh, died the death of the cross. No wonder. Think about the amazing wonder, you know, 
not that the Son of God became obedient to death, but the death of the cross is so cruel. Not only did he die, he died the death of the cross, the death of shame. So, uh, was there really ever a death more shameful than the Lord's? So embracing the cross to us means coming to terms with the offense of the cross. In Galatians 5.11, Paul talks about the offense of the cross. And what what is the offense of the cross for us? How do we, when we embrace that cross, what does it mean to us? Well, I'm going to give you that answer. But listen to what it says in Galatians 5. And I, brethren, verse 11, if I had preached circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Ah, this is the answer that we, you've been waiting for. To, to, to embrace the shame of the cross is to embrace persecution. Because he said, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. What is the offense of the cross? Persecution. What is the shame of the cross? Persecution. When I accept persecution, I'm embracing the shame of Calvary. Wow. I'm, you know, I'm sensing the anointing just talking about this. That my precious Jesus, your precious Jesus, would go that far in taking our shame on him. My shame, your shame. Wow. On that precious cross, gladly I would suffer persecution for him. Gladly you and I would suffer persecution for him. They mocked him, they're going to mock us. They spat on him, they're going to spit on us. They insulted him, they're going to insult us. But what a joy. What a joy. Thank you, Lord. I give you praise. Can we lift our hands just thank him for the privilege? The privilege you've given us to love you like this. Gladly will I suffer persecution, Lord, that you might shine through my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the Lord forever. All right. What else does it represent? Weakness. When we embrace the cross, we're embracing weakness because he became weak on that cross in Psalm 22. Let's look at verse 14 and 15. I pray this is blessing you like it's blessing me just talking about it. I know it's touching chair. I can just sense it in there. Right, Chaddy? Wow, precious, huh? Psalm 22, verse 14, I am poured out like water. Think about the weakness. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up. My tongue cleaves to my jaw. You have brought me into the dust of death. That's weakness completely. And so David saw what the cross did to to the Lord. So the cross puts a man into a place of such weakness, helplessness. Paul talks about uh, Jesus was crucified in weakness in 2 Corinthians 13. 
3 and 4. You know, I've been wanting to just give you some reference, but the Lord just would not let me. He wants me to read this for you because I think some of you need to see it too. Verse 3, verse 4 of Second Corinthians 13. Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. How precious. So the cross is designed to bring us to the end of our resources. The cross is designed to bring us to the end of our own selves, our own strength. Well, now we depend upon the Lord. So to embrace the cross, I embrace persecution. To embrace the cross, I embrace that I would become weak, that he would be strong. Where I come to the end of myself, to the end of my resources. Because the cross brings us to the end of ourselves. It releases us from that thing that says, I can do it. No, no, we cannot do it. We can do all things through Christ, but on our own, no way. You know, Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But on our own, we have no strength. And finally, it represents death. Death to the world, to the things of the world. So when the Lord spoke of bearing the cross, he spoke of death. The cross lies at the heart of the Christian message. The gospel has never, uh, was never intended to give you a spring cleaning. The gospel is not, uh, God does, did not give us the gospel to brighten our life, uh, nor that we may be a little more acceptable to God. The gospel, the cross came to finish you and finish me. I want to repeat that. The message of the cross is not so we can have a spring cleaning or to make us look better brighten us, or to make us more acceptable to God in some way. The cross came to finish us, to put the flesh to death completely. And when the flesh is dead, then we can become a new creation in Christ Jesus. So, when I say yes to the cross, yes, I accept the death of the cross, that I will die to the things of the world, to the things of the flesh, to the temptations out there. I'll say no. Then I can begin living the new creation. I can begin living the new life. Second Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Everything is passed away. Everything is new. I want to finish by telling you a story about Miss Kuhlman, Catherine Kuhlman. Miss Kuhlman was divorced when she was young. And then she repented. The man that married her, in fact, left his wife to marry Miss Kuhlman. And then the convicting part of God was so strong on her that she 
left him knowing what she did was wrong. The marriage didn't last long. She came to a dead end road, a dead end road, as she repented in Los Angeles. And once, once she repented, the Lord said, Catherine, in my books it never happened. Because see, God forgives and forgets. She turned around to never talk about it again. A lady came, came up to her shortly after she had gone back into the ministry and preaching as she was preaching, had to stop. Now she's back in the ministry. A lady came, she said, how can you preach? You're a divorced woman preacher. It was bad enough to be a woman preacher back then, but a divorced woman preacher was real bad. So she said, how dare you preach? You're a, you're a divorced woman preacher. And Catherine had an amazing answer. Oh, honey, she said, that Catherine come and died. There was another Catherine. There was somebody else. She understood, I'm a new creation. Second Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's what the cross does in our life. It brings us to the place we can live a new life. Precious Lord, come on, stretch your hands. I'm sensing a beautiful anointing here. Lord, touch them. Bless them. Let them see the value, Lord, the beautiful heavenly value of embracing the cross. Bless them, Lord, and minister to them and anoint each one of them in Jesus' most holy and blessed name. And God's people said, Amen, Amen. We're going to have a blessed week. I can sense it. Okay, it's time to give to the Lord's work. Thank you for letting me share this beautiful message with you. And this would be one that would be remembered, I'm sure, by many of you. You may want to watch it again. Share this with your friends. It's so needed today. It's so needed today. Share this message, please, with your friends. Help me when you get the word out. And by the way, uh, many, many of you are watching us on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is really growing. So would you spread the word for me about our YouTube YouTube channel and start watching me on YouTube because I'll t- tell you honestly, it's been wonderful to see the organic growth, you know of the channel. It's been wonderful. So, and by the way, you can also watch me on our website, benihin.org. Besides the beautiful platforms we're allowed to be on, like Facebook and others, I'm so thankful for these wonderful groups of people, these in organizations that allow uh, us to be on, to be a help and a blessing to many, many like you. All right, so listen, it's time to give to the Lord's work. And you can give right now to Benihin Ministries. Help me keep doing what I'm doing. And by the way, we're going back on TV. We'll be on Let's See Network the next few days. So be looking for us. So, but now let's give to the Lord's work. And uh, remember what, what the Bible says, that when we sow, we will reap. You, you secure your present and your future when you give to the Lord's work. I've been telling you that over and over and over. And it's not by giving once. It's by giving continually that we receive continually. So Lord, bless them as they give in your precious name, wonderful Jesus. Amen, amen. Okay, you can sew on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to our website, benihim.org, or you can just text BHM45777. And don't forget, in the next few days, we're going to have a beautiful New Year's Eve service, communion service. All, all over the social media platforms. All right. Much love to you. 
see you tomorrow bye bye